today on CityCast Madison. It's the Friday News Roundup. This week, I'm joined by CityCast Madison's Haley Sperling and Molly Stentz. The Wisconsin Supreme Court may not pick the state's voting maps after all. The city of Fitchburg rejects a new police station that came in over budget. And the Madison School District's superintendent search is receiving some pushback. It's Friday, February 16th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this podcast from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. This week's news is a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon your preferred audio platform and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sounded fury signifying nothing. It's the Great Friday Roundup. And with me today is the irreplaceable Haley Sperling. Hello, Haley. Hello, Dylan. Happy to be here. And it wouldn't be the Great Friday Roundup without the sheriff of this here podcast, Molly Stentz. Hello, Molly. Hey, Dylan. Good to see you again. Bianca Martin is on assignment. But our first story today, we're going to talk about a big development with the maps that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. And of course, we're talking about the highly contentious uh, legislative maps. There's a lawsuit before the Wisconsin Supreme Court, but turns out the Supreme Court might not be the final decider of things because Republican lawmakers have, um, both in the Assembly and in the Senate, have passed new district maps that were submitted by Governor Evers as part of the redistricting lawsuit before the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So there are four map proposals that the Wisconsin Supreme Court could have used to replace the current maps which are widely seen as gerrymandered in favor of Republicans. Well, the move this week by GOP lawmakers signals that Republicans seem to prefer Evers' maps over the other three proposals. Now it's a question of whether Governor Evers will sign it or will he veto it and keep things in the Supreme Court. A lot of Democrats seem to suggest that he should veto it, even though it's the maps he submitted. Molly, you're laughing over there. What are you laughing about? I am. This story, just when you think a story about maps can't get any weirder, it just keeps going. It does. And I think we all thought that the Wisconsin Supreme Court would end up deciding this. But how it's supposed to work is, you know, the legislature and the governor agree and they sign something into law. That might happen if Evers decides to, you know, sign on to this law that the Republicans passed this week. It's interesting, though, that it's now Democrats that want him to veto it um, because There are four map proposals that the Wisconsin Supreme Court are looking at. And when you break it down, it looks like, um, you know, Republicans just slightly do better, maybe under the ones the governor submitted, as opposed to ones that law forward put forward that are being considered in there. I think there's two other ones, but there's some differences, not huge, but it seems like Republicans like the Evers maps the best. This is what Republican Senator Van Weingard said. Uh, Republicans were not stuck between a rock and a hard place. It was a matter of choosing to be stabbed, shot, poisoned, or led to the guillotine. We chose to be stabbed, and we can live to fight another day. So, well, isn't it funny that Democrats are like, oh, no, no, no. We want to poison these people, not just stab them. Uh, Is that what's happening? (laughs) 
everyone wants to fight for what they can when they get the chance, right? You know, and I feel like these are the maps that Evers put forward when it made the most sense for for him to put these maps forward. But now that they have a chance to really move the needle on something, like, I guess I get it. But I guess that's just politics, baby, right? Like, everyone's playing their own game all the time. I'd agree with that. And... Yeah, and maybe you could, if you were a, a legislative Democrat, you would want the governor to play hardball here. But anyone who knows the governor, I don't know if he's good at playing hardball. It's not really his game. That's not the game he plays. Okay, and just last week, before you know the Republicans in the legislature did anything, he said, oh, I'm not sure they're going to pass. I'll believe it when I see it if they're going to pass my plan. But he did indicate he would sign it if they did. Um, well, didn't take long for Republicans to do just that. So um, another Democrat from Milwaukee, Senator Johnson, said, I'm not I'm not saying that the governor's maps aren't fair. I'm saying that, in my opinion, I would like to see the court do its job and finish this process. It just kind of makes you wonder why all of a sudden our colleagues are deciding that these are the maps for them. I just don't trust it. Well, I'll tell you why, because it's they have a grim scenario here. They want the best. Uh, I mean, isn't this what a compromise looks like? Isn't this? I think yes. But again, like. Yes, for the time, right? Like, I think this would have been the great map of compromise had it been adopted when it was first submitted. But now, again, that the door is open for something bigger for for Democrats, they want more. And I, I don't blame them for going after it. I'm curious, like, what has the court said recently? Where are they on this? So basically, if Governor Evers signs these maps into law, the lawsuit is moot and the Supreme Court doesn't handle it. And, and, you know, remember how this process is supposed to work. The court's only supposed to intervene when there are shenanigans going on. It's supposed to be the legislature and the governor. So there is a lot of, like, concern out there that is this some sleight of hand by the Republicans? Like, are they going to do something? Or have we actually figured out how to get the legislature and the governor to agree on something. It's just have the threat of the Supreme Court do it for you instead. That's how you get a deal, apparently. That that seems to me, my reasoning, I, I don't really see how there could be a lawsuit to like the U.S. Supreme Court if the legislature and the governor agree. I mean, who's who's even challenging it then? Yeah. So I'd be very surprised if governor vetoes it. But I know a lot of people are pushing for him to do it because like you said, Haley, hey, um, I trade it all for a little more. Right. Right. I just the optics on this. He he's in an interesting place. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Is there a timeline for this one, Dylan? Well, he only has, uh, you know, I think six days to sign it into law or not. So uh, this one seems like something that might happen maybe later today, probably early next week. But funny how this ended with Republicans and Democrats agreeing. Did we ever thought redistricting such a hotly contested issue would end with with Republicans and the, the Democratic governor agreeing? Such a fizzle, right? Like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Not everything in politics has to be a big bang blowout. But does it solve the problem? I mean, every redistricting cycle ends up with court intervention of recent history. So we kind of haven't solved the fundamental problem. But So we'll all meet back here in 10 years yeah. when we're having this exact same conversation. <laughs> exactly. We'll just do this again. Will the Republicans and the legislature and the governor maybe take this moment to be like, maybe we don't want to do this all again and we find some fair way to do it. But uh, you know what makes me think that the maps, uh, the governor's maps are most fair? Everyone seems to not like them. That seems to me like a good fair map, doesn't it? No one wins. So everyone wins. 
Dream sequence over. Before we get on to any more news, I think we should take a quick break. So some big news out of Fitchburg this week. Um, Fitchburg had been planning to make this uh, new police facility. So what basically happened this week, the news, is that the city officials are pretty much back to square one after its city council voted this week to reject plans for a new police facility. And pretty much... The issue here, there's a lot of context surrounding this, so let me back up a little bit. The Fitchburg Police Department currently operates out of the basement of Fitchburg City Hall, which was kind of a shocker to me. I did not really know this, that one. Uh, The department says that it has long outgrown its current space and that a new facility is necessary to keep up with the growing city. Fitchburg ultimately budgeted $35 million to build this facility in its 2024 to 2033 capital improvement plan. So this is something that the city wanted. The city decided we want to do this. And in December, an architectural group submitted design plans that racked in a total of $49.2 million. Uh, That design plan yeah, crazy, uh, was scaled back to a $46 million plan that was presented at a city council meeting this week. So you're saying that a construction project estimate came in over budget. Shocking, shocking everyone. I know, I know. Um, So basically, this is way over budget, right? This is $11 million over budget. And this seems like this is the one design that they're going with. There were a couple of designs that um, folks wrestled with at the city council meeting where they were like, oh, we could do this and it would be $45 million and whatever. But like either way, it was still wildly over budget. And the people of Fitchburg weren't super down for that. Um, and city council wasn't super down for that. So at its meeting earlier this week, more than 200 people attended, according to the Wisconsin State Journal, and more than 50 people signed up for public comment, both in support and in opposition of the proposal. And it got tense at times. There was some shouting matches. There were some words exchanged between constituents and between alders. And what ultimately came up was that many residents felt the plan was too rushed and that they'd prefer to invest this money in other areas of the community that really need the help, like housing and transportation, all of that good stuff that people like. Those in Madison would be familiar with uh, the group called Freedom Inc. They are a local nonprofit that works with lots of low-income communities, lots of um, communities of color, and they actually circulated a petition against the jail facility before the meeting, and it got over 1,600 signatures. Um, So a lot of people pretty much saying that they don't want this. And it's very interesting to see, you know, because I I can see both sides of the story, right? You know, 55 police officers is what Fitchburg is allowed to have. And I can't imagine 55 police officers operating out of the basement of a city hall building. That just doesn't really seem efficient, right? Fitchburg... They say that they want to do this because of the growing population. 
I'm a little bit iffy on that one. You know, Fitchburg's population is just under about 31,000 right now. That's from the 2022 numbers. And it's grown, but not like exponentially in recent years, you know, so I can see the need for a bigger facility just because it would be nice for them to have one. It would be nice for people to be able to have space for them to work in order for them to train in order to them to like genuinely interact with the community. I can imagine as a community member looking for your police station, if you have to go to the basement of city hall, like that's not very inviting, but also investing a huge amount of money, you know, even $35 million, what they've budgeted, that's a lot of money. This could be put towards something else. Um, and then going over budget by so much, I think, is what had people really, really frustrated. You know, no one wanted to spend close to $50 million on this project. That's like a million dollars per officer. It, literally, it's kind of insane. Like just handing out every officer a million dollars and say, they have fun, good luck. You know, I understand it's for training, but also, I think a lot of the best training happens in the community, right? And happens with the people that you're serving. So a lot of people were um, also against the idea of having more like tactical training facilities at this new police building. Um, they didn't like that idea, uh, which is fair, you know, because if we're training police to de-escalate situations and hopefully that they won't have to use firearms and whatnot. But Yes, lots, lots of feelings, lots of emotions happening at this meeting. Ultimately, the design failed to pass. And now, like I said, they're back at square one. And this, this is what's going down in the city of Fitchburg. And it's, you know, it's very interesting. Freedom Inc. had kind of... Um, they, they build this like big uh, social media campaign to be like Stop Cop City in Fitchburg, which... It's interesting because, you know, it, it brings back notions of what happened in Atlanta, uh, where they were building that huge training facility. And this is not necessarily like that, you know, like I think conflating the two is not the right move. I think it got their point across for sure. But like, to be clear, this is just pretty much the idea is building a police station, like a formal police station for the city of Fitchburg. And it's something that again, they had proposed and that they have allocated money for in their capital improvement plan. Back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board on Fitchburg. We'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, um, I think this is this is going to be a story to watch coming up this year. I'm very interested to see. Police funding is a very hot and contentious subject. Uh, you know, like the city of Madison has had its own gripes with police and we've had our own issues with funding new police stations. Uh, so we'll... Who knows? Who knows if the same kind of tactics could be deployed here, too? It also just kind of reminds me of the jail combo. Like, the yes. longer that a community talks about it, does it drive the price down? Like, public scrutiny is good. And yet, we know that construction just only seems to go up and up and up. So, there's that. It could get more expensive. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things where... The longer you wait, things are probably only going to get more expensive. But also, again, when something comes in this high over budget, like, what are you going to do? You go back to the drawing board. And when people are mad, that's what you do. But uh, people are getting a little a little mad and spicy in Madison about the school superintendent search. Molly, what do you know about that? Yeah, speaking of spicy public meetings, so... 
yeah, our school district, we need a new superintendent. So the Madison Metropolitan School District, it's the second largest school district in the state. We've got about 25,000 students and more than 50 schools. And we've been on the hunt for a new leader since the, the former superintendent Carlton Jenkins retired. So we're in the home stretch, the final stages. The school board has announced that they're hoping to have a decision by the end of the month. School board president Nichelle Nichols had a presser this week kind of explaining what's going on, what's taking so long. There's three finalists and, you know, no lack of controversy as as we do. So the three finalists are Mohammed Chaudhary, who is a former state superintendent of schools at the Maryland State Department of Ed, so kind of like the state regulatory body. Then we have Dr. Yvonne Stokes, who is a former superintendent at Hamilton Southeastern Schools. So this is like a Indianapolis suburb, so a little bit smaller than the Madison School District. And she was there for uh, a few years and re- recently uh, resigned last year. And then we have Dr. Joe Gothard, who is currently the superintendent of St. Paul Public Schools, which is the second largest and most diverse school district in Minnesota. And he's also got uh, quite extensive ties to Madison, having been a principal at La Follette, was a principal at Toki, uh, was also an assistant superintendent at the district in Madison. So, Those are the three finalists, but as we've learned from Isthmus reporter Eric Murphy, some of these finalists have a lot of controversy swirling. And these were professionals that were recruited by a national search firm that was retained by the school board, right? And so you would assume they have been extensively vetted, like this was a nationwide search. I don't know if it included Google searches, though. Clearly, that's, yeah. Yeah, so... One thing that was reported by the Baltimore Banner, a news outlet in Maryland, is that Maryland's Inspector General for Education is investigating whether Chaudhary and other state ed department leaders improperly shielded communications from public records requests. Yikes. Which is a thing the Madison School District knows a thing or two about, having been, as Bill Leaders puts it, sued at least five times since 2021 for long delays in responding to public records requests. So that's questionable Um, for a district that also parted ways with their comms director last year. That doesn't seem like a... Something you'd you'd want in a leader of your district. They settled a lawsuit last year for failing to fulfill an open records request, you know, costing all of us thousands of dollars. So, yeah, that's what's going on. Um, They say that all three candidates are still in consideration and that they'll have a decision by the end of the month. But none of the candidates have dropped out, even under public scrutiny, and the board hasn't really said how much it's taking these allegations into consideration. So for one of these candidates, the one from St. Paul, obviously has some deep ties to Madison, kind of seems like he'd be coming home, right? Yeah. And um, regardless of the other candidates and what happened during 
other 10 years of theirs. Like, I think that's just hard to beat having those masks and ties, particularly like, I just think that's a natural advantage, right? I think that would have been hard to beat regardless. Yeah. Of the three candidates. So we're talking about Dr. Joe Gothard. He has the longest track record of actually being a superintendent. And he has a track record of being a superintendent in a district larger than Madison and one that's somewhat comparable to Madison in terms of like demographics. And he has experience being in the district, having worked in the district in multiple different capacities over the years. But what's what's also interesting about uh, Dr. Yvonne Stokes, who was the superintendent from Indiana, is that she left the district and there, there was kind of numerous news reports to this effect that she was trying to really help address some of the racial climate issues that were going on in her district in Indiana. And she was getting pushback and she was getting pushback from the community. And that's, you know, protesters who didn't want her to be hired and who, you know, accused her of indoctrination when she tried to um, introduce policies in the school district that were more were more racially inclusive, right? So, which is also a set of experiences that I think Madison has gone through and is continuing to go through and needs to figure out. Yeah, I think that that is also a set of experiences that Madison needs and that Madison, I think, would like welcome. You know, I see someone like her coming in and trying to make those changes and genuinely being embraced. So I think that would be really interesting. The one thing with this story that really bothers me is how someone on the school board on the like search committee had said that they like stayed away from news coverage of the candidates because they wanted to go in with a clean slate. And I was like, I understand that, you know, from certain perspectives, but like not for a job like this, you know, for a job like this, where you are so heavily scrutinized in the public eye. And again, as you talked about, like public records and whatnot, like that's huge for the leader of this school district. Like you can't not know everything. You can't not know the skeletons in everyone's closet that is coming into this position. And this is not the time when you go in blindfolded and think everyone gets a clean slate. Like, this is not the time for that. Like, I think it's just, it's frustrating to me to have heard that from a school board member and to be like, do your research. This doesn't look good for you. Like, that that was the most frustrating. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think you're right about that. Like, these are public officials that are open to scrutiny, of course, fair or unfair. Right. But what I've heard from a lot of um, community members and just, and, and school board members is like a superintendent that is going to stick around is like maybe the most important thing, right? Like, cause it really, this is a big organization in order to really make change. You really need to be there for a while. And there was a lot of griping about, you know, the former superintendent Jenkins leaving, you know, kind of abruptly. And so I don't know how that factors into the final decision, but I think that's a big priority. How do you hire for that though? I mean, everybody, you give them a contract and everybody agrees to that contract and then people leave before their contracts up. I mean, that happens. So I don't know how you hire for that necessarily. Someone who's from the community, knows the community, has roots in the community. I don't know. That's, I mean, it's not to say someone can't establish those things, but yeah. hopefully we'll get the best of the candidates, just like we're going to get the best of Madison awards going. That's already upon us, Molly. So it's February, and that means the best of Madison nominations are up and running, and we would love it if, indeed, Yours truly, this here podcast was your favorite local podcast in Madison. 
If that's the case, we would love your nomination in the Best of Madison Awards, and we'll throw a link in our show note to where you can vote for us. I mean, if you want to vote for Madison's other best local podcast, that's fine too, I guess. And then best local news website, that's where Madison Minutes falls under in this awards. Yes. And if you love Madison Minutes, and we hope you do, vote for us in the local news website category. We won bronze last year and we're going for gold this time. I'm coming for you, Channel 3000. (laughs) Gauntlet throne. Heck yeah. Haley Sperling, thanks so much for joining me on the roundup today. Thank you, Dylan. Molly Stentz, always fun. Thank you. Good to have you back. Bye. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Dylan Brogan. We're produced by Phil Circus, Alexandra McMahon, and AKL Moman. Molly Stentz is our executive producer. You can get more news delivered right to your inbox by subscribing to Madison Minutes, written by our newsletter editor, Haley Sperling. Our theme music is by Carl Christensen. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not share this podcast with a cardophile? Read between the lines on that one. We're off Monday, so we'll see you back here Tuesday morning with more news from around the city. Until then, 